Hi, and welcome to another edition of Editing Aloud, and how lovely it is back to be back again uh, amongst friends. And Warren, this morning, um, Peter Moyer was back at Old Mutual, but wasn't allowed past reception. Correct. It was his third time, yeah. uh, Peter. And uh, he got the same line. The, the company gave the same line that he was neither uh, requested nor uh, needed to uh, appear before work. And it seems that the dispute seems to center around the second letter of termination that Old Mutual uh, gave him, uh, which uh, the company maintains is legally valid uh, and was uh, done correctly. Um, whereas his lawyers are saying that uh, the that they had just gone to court on Monday to have that second letter attached to the dispute around the first letter, yeah. uh, which the judge ruled was uh, unfair on procedural gr grounds. They're saying that the second letter and the first letter, there's no distinction between the two because the second letter actually referenced the first letter. So it's all getting a little bit technical there, but the, the net result is that he has not been able to uh, return to work. It's getting technical, but also ridiculous. I mean, this is a major South African financial institution being drawn into what looks like a circus. Absolutely. Is uh, it affecting the share price? I it, mean, is it, is it absolutely. Yeah. It has been affecting the share price. I think the last time uh, we checked it was about 10 billion rand. 10 billion rand had been, show, uh, had been taken because off. Because of this? It's, it's hard to pinpoint yeah. that in the market. Yeah. But certainly uh, when investors wake up and they see uh, this dispute on the front pages of the business day, uh, it's very unsettling for an organization. And... Uh, uh, certainly for you know staff morale yeah uh, when just, they see just, this and just lastly who are, who are the big institutional shareholders now in mutual uh, if i remember correctly i think the, P the pic is in there but mm. you've got a couple of the large uh, private sector i think alan gray is a, yeah. is a large shareholder yeah. some of them have been using the opportunities to buy buy up shares given the weakness because they think over a long term yeah. this will be a hiccup in the uh, in the fortunes of the company but uh, even today, the share price was down about one and a half percent. So, Kanata, you've been sort of central to this story. I mean, you were at the famous press conference, which I have to say I watched with horror um, because you could see Trevor Manuel getting more and more irritated as he, as he went along. And anybody who's known Trevor would know that he's got a very short fuse. Um, and he made the remark that he did about, about the judge. You've since written that you think he ought to resign. Yes, absolutely, Peter. He, uh, look, there's no benefit in having Trevor Manuel there now. That short fuse that you're talking about, mm. uh, all the blunders we are seeing with regards to Peter Moyo are as a result of that emotional and, and, the, and the short fuse. So that, that's the start. But he has to resign also because he should never have been allowed onto that board in the first place. I don't know what the strategy is. But he, he wouldn't have hid anything from the board. I mean, they no, knew no, that no. he was with Rothschilds, which is a... There's certainly no accusation of him rival. acting improperly. Yeah. Absolutely none. Nobody has, and neither have I. Mm. Uh, he's always, yeah. at all material times, recused himself uh, where, where, where Rothschild's business is, is concerned. Yeah. But the perception of the chairman uh, uh, being on, on, on both sides of the deal is, uh, in this instance, uh, and particularly when matters get this ugly, uh, is, is totally undesirable. So from, from, from that, on, that, on that basis alone, uh, Trevor Manuel should not be on the board. And, and, and secondly, he is the chairman of the board that has totally mishandled this situation. Can I just ask you that? Heads have to South Africa, it's common in South Africa to have board members who sit on lots of other boards. Um, so there have to be millions, not millions, dozens of, of conflicts of potential conflicts of influence 
because of cross cross board cross directorships. directorships yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, TJ, and maybe well, you'll all know the answer to this, but just so that just to remind people how this arose, um, Peter Moyer owned a company or started a company that Old Mutual invested in, mm. and which then, if you just help me here, it then made a decision which Old Mutual took exception to. Yes. Yeah, so that decision. So Old Mutual says that there are a few things that yeah. irked them, but the big one recently was when Moyo chaired a board, a board meeting of NMT Capital. Right. This is the company uh, that at stake, yeah. yes. And I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of a funny timeline. He worked at Old Mutual in the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, Old Mutual started this company in the early 2000s. Yeah. Old Mutual invested quite early on. Yeah. Uh, and then he rejoined Old Mutual a few years ago. Yeah. And it um, was well known that he was, that this company was there and they had that relationship. It's right? flagged and they, I mean, yeah. they had a special committee that yeah. looked at this. So he chaired a board meeting of NMT and at the board meeting, uh, there were dividends declared to ordinary shareholders, yeah. Old Mutual being an One ordinary shareholder, yes. Yeah. Um, and then the, the directors themselves. And there was uh, an Old Mutual represent, and, this is, and there was no Mutual director on the board, right, who voted for this. So the, the, this is the thing. We can't see from the minutes what oh, really? exactly the, happened the, there. Oh, but really? the, 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 there is an, a, a, an Old Mutual um, official was on the board, and this is one of the things that Manuel at that press conference yeah. stressed over and over yeah. again, is the fiduciary duty of the director is to the company he is then the director of. So uh, it's, it's not as if he then reports into a line going back to Old Mutual and representing Old Mutual's Do interests. Do we buy This is the official line. He, he has actually, that, that's, that's the problem here. So that, that, that related parties uh, committee on, yeah. of the board, yeah does not have itself a representative on the board of NMT Capital. They had a former employee of Old Mutual, yes. nominated by Old Mutual. To oh, is he no longer board. with Old Mutual? He's no longer with okay. Old Mutual, but when he was still at Old Mutual, uh, in, the short in the short period that uh, Peter Moyo had joined Old Mutual, yeah. the guy reported to, uh, to, to Peter Moyo at Old Mutual and was supposed to be supervising him uh, at, 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 NM at, at NMT, NMT Capital. But so we don't know whether he put his hand up for the dividend payout. That's what the, the, the minutes, according, uh, the, the minutes are silent on his participation on the on the on that particular decision yeah. and, and this the, the issue here is that that ordinary dividend was declared ahead of the preference shared That's dividend the, yeah. which contravenes the company's act mm. and had that been done uh, before uh, old mutual would have been first in line to to, to claim its share uh, so they subsequently reversed it or, or facilitated the payment of the of the preference shared dividend but this, uh, do we have, the horse do, had do we have a view aside from the ethics and the cross interests and and the potential conflicts of interest do we have a view who is legally right here i mean is the old mutual board legally right it's 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 it's, it's not that simple peter mm. there are two things here mm. how do you fire an employee you don't you no longer want and is a chief executive can he be treated like an ordinary employee in terms of the labor relations mm. and so that's what the court has had to deal with and peter moyo so far has won on that basis saying and is this, this all happening in the labor court unfair yes okay uh, is it the high court or the labor high court? no it's the high court yeah. and this is the interesting thing uh, moyo and his lawyers they they didn't want the labor relations act involved there. they yeah. were going on the uh, on that very specific special contract that, uh, that the chief yeah. executives have. I mean, I'm not a chief executive, but I looked at that contract and it looks like something very different from uh, yeah. 
my uh, contract wow. at my current <laughs> employer. Yeah. So, um, but but yes, that's the that's the thing. And then the, Moyo's lawyers also went in to sort of paint Moyo as this uh, as a victim of a reprisal for being a whistleblower. Yeah. And then there there's certain if you can prove that there's certain uh, sort of certain. Uh, yeah, certain other legal legal yeah. ramifications that come into that. So that's the problem. That's why Old Mutual can't get further. So they, they want the merits to be heard of, right. the, of him, of them dismissing him. In so the how, first does, how does it end? What happens? I mean, do they, do they fight until one of them falls? He, he, here's, my, here's my solution. Huh. Peter Moyer definitely cannot work there. He yeah. has to leave. He should never have been fired, hired in the first place. Yeah. Because of that relationship, precisely the same reason I say Trevor Moyer should not be on the board. Uh, both of them have to be out. Uh, the, the conflict of interest per perceived or real preclude their participation in the board. Uh, both of them, they should not have been there. Uh, now, Old Michel has to really stack up and, and, and appoint the correct yeah. people onto that board. Talking about appointments, uh, Sikonati, uh, you'll be you know this. Um, Jabu Mabuza, acting CEO uh, at ESCOM and chairman as well, executive chairman, said he would appoint the CEO at ESCOM by the end of this month. Is he going to, is he going to do it? Well, he has uh, about five days left. Yeah. Uh, remember, the, the, the board has interviewed people, and, and obviously uh, what, what he meant is that we will give the minister a short list of three people, and the minister must uh, make his appointment from there, and that we will do uh, on or before the 30th of September. The interviews have been done. Short lists, uh, I, I know, have been compiled. Do we know, so who, the, did, who, do we know who the three might be? Uh, it's not uh, yet uh, in the public domain who the three are. You uh, know who uh, they are. Why and, don't you tell us? I, I'm not telling you, uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I am aware some yeah. people have been interviewed. Quite yeah. uh, uh, serious people yeah. that, that sure. really should One be. One of them put his hand up publicly, didn't he? Uh, um, um, for the life of me, I'm not going to remember the, there's, there's a gentleman by the name of Andy Khalid. That's uh, right. He, he's, he's a native of Krugersdorp. Yeah. He's been uh, in, uh, yeah. working for for yeah. BP for the last 20 years. He, he did confirm that indeed he did apply for the job. Does, does he have a real shot? He, look, if it is a, an appointment based purely on merit yeah. and, and on the ability of the, of the individual to yeah. do the job, his head and shoulders above everybody else. And then uh, in the South African situation, you know there will be matters about black economic empowerment yeah. and all of that. That is when it becomes a political so, I mean, decision. Would they, would, they, would they risk, do you think, TJ, making a political appointment out of, it, out of, out of the one thing that can sink this economy? Probably, yes. I, yeah. think, uh, I think... What that's a shocking answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm not making the decision, but but yeah. but sadly, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the, the optics and the politics are, are very important. This is quite an interesting uh, conversation. Now, I've, I always maintain, well, what does the CEO need to be hired to do at ESCOM? Yeah. I thought that the debt restructuring would be the key thing. But uh, speaking to a couple of financiers, I think the debt restructuring is actually the easy part. The hard part is taking this massive industrial uh, engine, which yeah. combines generation yeah. with and, yeah. and being able to organizationally separate uh, Which is where Khaled's experience in running a complex organization comes in, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. He's run, I mean, he started uh, BP's uh, Canada yeah. uh, gas business, yeah. and, and now Canada is a net exporter of, yeah. of gas. He's just established BP's gas business yeah. in Russia, uh, uh, and he's been out of South Africa, having worked at yeah. ESCOM at senior levels for 20 years. So he's absolutely a, a oh, is he ex-ESCOM? 
Yes, he's okay. ex-ESCOM. He left in 1996. There, are there any other former CEOs of ESCOM yes. in the, on the shortlist? Brian Thomas? There are, except I'm not at liberty to, to name names at this point. Yes, there are former senior executives. They may or may not be a former chief executive. All right, but well, we don't want to read about them on the Daily Maverick. <laughs> so, guys, on my, on my phone, there's a story from uh, um, a source which can't be named on this show. Um, telling me that the South African economy is now in its 70th month of a downward cycle. Are we, is it possible to leave the economic cycle or are we still subject to it in some way? I mean, 70 months is a very long time. This hasn't happened in, since, since the apartheid years. I mean, since the state of emergency, um, this level of depression in economic activity. I mean, manufacturing, I saw the other day, now accounts for the same uh, portion of the of economic output as it did in 1968. Sure. So uh, it's 50 obviously, the service industries have grown and manufacturing, mm. but you know, it, we, we, there, there is a real, real crisis here. Mm. So how do you get out of it? I mean, Stephen Friedman, and I agree with him in, in today's business day, was arguing you've got to replace the skills that have gone with new ones. You've got to get you've got to get some immigration going, but. The Department of Home Affairs regards this job as to keep people out of the country rather than let them in. Did you see when, uh, when Massmart appointed their new CEO, an American from Walmart, uh, they had the little line in the appointment that uh, subject to approval by the Department it's quite of, extraordinary. of uh, yeah, do you follow Do you follow this stuff at all, any of you guys, I mean, on, on immigration and the, and the difficulty of getting skills into this country? Stephen Kosseff says we are eight... 800,000 highly skilled people short in South Africa. Uh, look, uh, about 25,000 people have been leaving this country every year uh, up until 2017. Mm. I don't know uh, what, what has happened since, but my sense is that... The, the, yeah, it's obviously the, the, been an increase. The, 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 there's mm. obviously been yeah. an increase. Now, people leaving this country don't need anyone's permission to leave. Sure. They just leave. Yeah. The problem with our Department of Home Affairs, as TJ points out, and, and indeed the whole uh, setup, is that they, they, they regard their job as indeed keeping people out of this yeah. country. When we desperately need the skills, we're not training our own people uh, to, 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 to any level as to be able to, well, to step can't up to You the can't table. train people unless you've got the skills to train them, and we don't have the skills to Even train them. Even in the educational institutions, yeah. we, we are failing to do that. We've dumped everything down, yeah. and uh, 70 months of, of downturn, that's six years and six months. Yeah. Let's just get that right. Yeah. Yeah. For six that's, years that's and six months, we've been going only one way and 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 the the population is increasing at about two percent because you know when people are not working they have to find other things to keep them busy how would how you know one of one of the reasons i, I presume that saw ramaposa put um, uh, aaron mazzoletti in home affairs was as a reward for backing him in the leadership and keeping him keeping him in the cabinet but surely you could have also said to him fix the visa thing fix the fix the immigration why would that take this is something that you don't have to have to you know, build up a great big... You just stop doing certain things. And if you go to the airport, Warren, I'm sure you've just come back from overseas. Um, did you have to go... I mean, what was the queue like at the airport? And how, were, how was immigration again? I mean, if you look at some of the stuff on Twitter, it's, it's awful. I can tell you in the coffee, uh, the coffees, uh, coffee uh, restaurants and uh, the delis in, in London and Spain mm. that you hear South African accents all over the place. Yeah. I actually think the problem's a lot deeper, Peter. Mm. I think we've got to talk about race in this country. Mm. 
and understand what happens, what is expected with BE and transformation, and why there's this insecurity about letting skills come into the country. Because on the one hand, we've got uh, immigrants flooding the country across the Limpopo River, virtually unchecked. Mm. And on the other, we've got skilled people of all colors getting on planes and leaving for Australia you mean and the United Kingdom. Crossing, refugees crossing the Limpopo River. Correct. Refugees, not immigrants. And yeah. those are not the people we are talking about here to replace yeah. skills. Those are the people who actually need to be keeping out. But yet our borders are, are just open. Uh, you need yeah. to be getting uh, people flying in yeah. with all of their money to set up business. Make, make it possible for them to make as much money as possible. Yeah, legally as quick, in the shortest time as possible Absolutely. As well. That's um, how you get But provided with one proviso, you create jobs while you're doing it. And, and you know, that's not an unreasonable thing to ask. That's and not an unreasonable yeah, thing to, yeah, to, to, to yeah. ask. And, and that's how all the, the major economies are built. Yeah. Uh, if you now have uh, five million rands, you can go buy a house somewhere in the United States of America yeah. and get citizenship. Why can't we do that? But here? you've got to create jobs there too. Ten jobs. Definitely. For your, for your million dollars or whatever Definitely. it might be. Yeah. Uh, why can't we do that here? Yeah. Because we think differently. I mean, we just simply, we just see it as a threat and we cannot see the opportunity mm. in, and then we look in, in, in the mass migration of skills. And, and I think we also, I think that one of the things that, that uh, was very surprising when we had that issue about the uh, journalist that couldn't identify Cyril Ramaphosa in, yeah. the, in the photo at oh, the yeah. uh, G20 yeah. summit. Yes. We, we kind of think we're bigger than we are, and yeah. we're not really. No. We're, we're a mid-sized economy but, at but, the bottom of Africa. But the point is, too, that actually we're still an attractive place to live in, you know. And I mean, there are lots of people living in really grim countries with really good skills and whether anything from, you know, boiler makers to, to heart surgeons who would rather come and live in Durban or Cape Town or wherever then stay where they are, mm. and they might as well forget about it. Yeah, and they, they could be tax well, payers for us. That's yeah. the thing. That's uh, I mean, yeah. our tax base is getting eroded, so what you need is more, more tax payers on a, on a certain level. And I think Sekinati pointed this out very, sort of very clearly. Yeah. If, if you have unskilled labor coming in, they have a very different way of approaching the way they send remittances back. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why they're here, to send remittances yeah. back, to keep people alive back home or, yeah. or educate people at home or whatever. But if it's, a, if it's someone highly skilled or partially skilled, usually that money stays here because they, yeah. they sort of try to build up capital and go to a next level. Yeah. So they become taxpayers. So in an effort to sort of you know, um, uh, spin the gloom a little bit because there's a lot of it around, um, uh, South Africa placed a Eurobond issue uh, this week that was oversubscribed and everybody's jolly cheerful about that. It was on the front page uh, today of Business Day. It's a sign of investor confidence in SA. Um, but that also may be not quite the story that should be told. Well. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. I mean, it's positive that they've, they've bought the bonds. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the yields, uh, it's quite, quite uh, 3% north of, of the equivalent uh, U.S. bonds, which are kind of yeah. the benchmark. Yeah. But just remember that there's about 15 to 16 trillion dollars worth of money that uh, is currently earning a negative yield. Meaning, if you put 100 euros into an investment, you might only get uh, 99. These are or these are bonds back. in other countries, in other words, other sovereign bonds. In the in largely the developed world. Right. So if you're a German pension ma fund manager yeah. and you're buying uh, German bonds, yeah. you you get a negative return, not a positive return. Yeah. So there, there's an enormous appetite, and, and to take a positive spin yeah. on it, there's an enormous appetite to fund things if we want that financing. We've just got to make sure as a country 
that we can generate positive social and financial returns on those investments. But if, but if you can invest the funds of German teachers and Singaporean nurses and you know, Chilean um, uh, shoemakers in, in, in South Africa, why is there a hue and cry about investing the pensions of South African teachers and, um, and your and my pensions in, in growing the economy? As prescribed the, the, there's completely different, <laughs> completely different. The Germans and all of those foreign nationals bringing in their pensions here have got nowhere else to get 4.85% yeah. per annum. My money can get 12% on the JSE, 14%, and I'm not forced to go. Uh, uh, so, so they are not being forced to do this. When you take my pension and invest in ESCOM bonds, yeah. when you invest in uh, uh, give it a uh, flush it down South African Airways. You are actually threatening uh, my, my returns. These uh, foreign savers are bringing in only a fraction of their money, which is looking for homes, sure. a positive return. Uh, 4.85% is, is not even the inflation rate in South Africa. Yeah. No, but it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about whose savings we live off. And they are Singaporean doctors and Polish nurses and, you know, uh, German road makers or Japanese auto workers, that's workers. What, that's, yeah. and that's the difference is nobody tells them you will put 10% or 20% of your pension sure. in yeah. our bonds. Yeah. They've looked everywhere but uh, and they, they, they've got a reasonable certainty that we will pay back yeah. and we will give them 4.85%. Yeah. What somebody will honor. tell them to do is to pull their money out if we fall into junk status, right? Just like that. Yeah. Within, yeah. like, you just click a few buttons and your money gone. Yeah. If my pension is in there and yeah. my money is going nowhere else, yeah. it sinks. Do you think people are aware of the fact that we live off German workers' pensions or Singaporean or Australian or whoever? It's not really part of our culture to ask where the money comes from. Absolutely. But the story is complex. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't, I don't think we appreciate and, and still the biggest buyers of our bonds are uh, European pension funds and American pension funds. Yeah. Um, so uh, you realize when you work in the financial markets how interconnected yeah. everything is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's often those, uh, those traditional ties to... I mean, it uh, seems to me that like sometimes Britain. there's a small group of people in the Treasury who keep South Africa afloat every, every day, mm -hmm. buying and selling debt, I suppose, in one, one way or another. We should be grateful to them. Um, there was a disturbing news also today out of... Um, the platinum belt, Sibania threatening to, um, uh, to let go about 5,000 workers. Why would that be happening, TJ? Ah, they say Marikana is just not profitable. That's the problem. So, the, yeah, it's a, in simple terms. But, and, but and, 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 so, I mean, Sibania bought yes, Lonmans so, out of the Marikana yes. mine, right? So, As, I mean, Sibania is historically a, a gold producer. They, they were uh, gold fields of South African assets spun off, yeah. what was this, five, six, seven years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, did a good job of, of sort of consolidating their gold business. Yeah. And then they, they sort of started moving into platinum. And uh, a few years ago, I think two, three years ago, they bought this, uh, the, the biggest platinum producer in the U.S. called Stillwater. Sort of a complex merger, and this, the whole thing is now called Sabania Stillwater. And they were looking to expand the, the, the reach in platinum, and Lonman was one of the assets 
I, I can't imagine. So what's going wrong? It's a price gone south. Is it is it is it a, is it a, is it a question of the of the economy generally, or the price the, of platinum? The, the, the platinum price has been negative for quite a while, yeah. but there are other PGM, uh, uh, the, the other platinum group metals yeah. that have made Sibanya uh, itself uh, uh, profitable, yeah. uh, but. The, the, the work the, the workforce at at Lonmin is just huge it's overplotted and, yeah. and 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 had had it not been for this deal Lonmin uh, uh, would have gone bust sure. Sure. Uh, and uh, Lonmin was talking about actually retrenching about 12,000 15,000 people That's at a go amount. so mm -hmm. this is a third of of the jobs that uh, that, that Sibanye can let go immediately yeah. That's an enormous amount of uh, jobs to be lost and of people to, to be out on the street with families to feed uh, and other commitments to... And the workforce has already halved and the workforce over the past halved. five years at Lonmin. And, and uh, the tragedy about this whole situation again is these are people who have absolutely no hope of getting any other job. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this is a, and this is one of the things. You know, this is why we're hopping on about getting the governance right at Eskom because the miners have seen their costs increase, partly as a, as a result of the higher electricity prices, yeah. partly as a result of not just labour, the cost of labour going up, but the productivity of labour declining at the same time. Yeah. So you can sustain increases in your pay to to workers if your productivity is rising at the same rate, but once this you have that divergence yeah. where the costs go up and the productivity falls. Oh, there we go. Reality, reality hits. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next week.